0: All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puree Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the the vanilla as my favorite. So It's smooth, it's delicious, and you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real, natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puri Whey Protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puri's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to Puri.com slash That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash And then make sure you use promo code Biohacker Babes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show.
1: There's a lot of good research that's saying that even though you're sleeping, because you're at work, your body subconsciously is still in a little bit of a, like an alert status getting ready for that call to come in. And so your 48 hours off are literally spent in recovery.
0: Welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition.
2: What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and check movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life.
0: Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to
2: not feel your best every single day. Day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 210 of the Biohacker Babes. My name is Renee and I'm tuning in with my sister Lauren. Hi, Laurie. What's up, Renee? Hello,
2: everybody. Thank you for
0: joining us on the Biohacker Babes today. Yeah, thanks for being here. So, today's a unique one. We felt like we needed an intro to this podcast to explain. What's going on? So we actually had the opportunity to be on our friend's podcast, Forge and Unbroken. So I guess technically more my friend. Lauren, you went to high school with him too, but he was in my class, my friend Josh Berchick. And he has been a firefighter for almost 20 years. And he has created this podcast to really support his mission to help firefighters stay healthy get healthy, prevent disease. you know he shared with us that firefighters are at a much higher risk of cancer, heart disease, metabolic disease and we feel like this is like in maybe an untapped conversation like I think we really need to be supporting this community as much as we can because we need them a lot <laughs> and they're really putting their health at risk to save other people's lives. so I think This conversation is just so, so important. So you are going to hear us on his podcast. So that's why um, we are on the other end of the podcast today. And just a little- Receiving end. Receiving end. And a little brief introduction. So we do talk a lot about like the importance of sleep optimization, our thoughts on fasting, carb timing, nootropics, cold plunges, sauna therapy, detoxification, really like the top biohacks we would recommend for- Any first responder, but especially for firefighters.
2: Yeah, we did jump around quite a bit. And because we were on the receiving end answering the questions, I think what pulls us all together is knowing those big risks to first responders and firefighters, which would be like circadian rhythm is definitely a huge concern because their work schedules tend to be 24 hours on and then a big chunk of time off. So there's not a lot of consistency in day to day and not a lot that they can change. So we're pulling in kind of all these resources and hacks to help support that, knowing that largely the schedule and the circadian rhythm is not going to change very much, like unless they completely change their careers. But with those big risks that stem from the circadian rhythm imbalance, but also being exposed to the environmental toxins and stressors through smoke, a lot of cardiovascular metabolic risks. So that's kind of the the context behind the jumping around. But such an amazing conversation. It's so great to kind of circle back. I know you have such a a personal connection here with Josh and, and there's more story to that, which you do share on the podcast. So, so happy to bring this to you guys. Yeah.
0: And, you know, if you or someone, you know, is a first responder, like I would definitely check out his podcast. Like I said, Forged and Unbroken, lots of great information about, um, I mean, more on sleep, mental health, you know, all the things that first responders need to know about. All right, let's jump in.
1: The Forged and Unbroken podcast. So um,
0: cool to reconnect.
1: I know, right? It's Long it time. really has been like pretty much since high school, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Crazy.
2: And now people are talking about planning our 20 year reunion. I saw that. Crazy.
1: <sighs> Amazing. And
2: mine just <laughs> passed by. I don't know where the hell my class president is, but we didn't have one.
1: Oh wow. You're probably what, two years ahead? Yeah, Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's awesome. Um, Well, post high school, like how did you all like get into this biohacking thing? Like what was the background? What was, what got you into it?
2: We each had health struggles. So I think it was, well, all the common advice that was out in the general population was not really helping us. And uh, we had to find other answers. So a little bit was just circling back to everything that we kind of learned through our dad that we weren't necessarily actively listening and understanding at the time. It was a little Mm -hmm. in one ear, out the other, but it definitely settled somewhere in our bodies. And we're like, wait, what are those things that our dad taught us? Like curiosity, homeopathy, nutrients and vitamins, recovery. So it was was finding another way because... I mean, our stories are a little bit different, but um, I basically had adrenal burnout, adrenal fatigue. Renee mm-hmm. had chronic fatigue, which sounds very similar, but kind of a di- a different course of events. So, yeah. yeah, it was like an effort to just figure out our own struggles and get our way back to baseline. And then from there, it was like learning how to optimize. From there, we got back to baseline. And I was like, okay, wait, we got we want to like keep going, <laughs> want to be even better.
1: Yeah, awesome. So yeah, speaking of like getting better, you know, something that like we, in a lot of our circles that we preach is trying to get that extra like 1% when you're already like operating on a really high level, getting an extra 1%. Is that how you would consider where you're at now? Or is it so much deeper than just like, Hey, I'm trying to chase a 1% better wellness.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like that, like surviving to thriving mentality, right? Like when I had chronic fatigue, I was surviving. Like I was just mm-hmm. getting by every day. And then it was like, okay, that now I'm at like a normal feeling, <laughs> but now I want to like thrive. And yeah, I never feel like I'm there. It's always like, what yeah. else can I do? How else can I optimize my energy, my brain, my recovery, my exercise? Like, I don't think it's ever going to be like the end of the journey, right? Yeah, I always sure. want to feel better yeah. and better, especially yeah. as we age, right? Because as we age, it's like things are going against us so we have to biohack and up level even
2: more (laughs) yeah the cruel reality it's like you learn more but then just all these other variables but for me i like i want the ceiling to just keep getting higher right it's like if you have a ceiling you're probably going to rise and meet it if you have that curiosity and that drive but then once you reach it then what yeah a lot of us want to like keep raising it because we want to see what is the potential and the potential is assumingly endless absolutely and keep going right i was just watching that new arnold schwarzenegger documentary last night and he was like yeah. i set my mind to it i'm gonna do it <laughs> like, now I'm gonna <laughs> that. like the arnold mentality like he literally could do anything that he sets sure. his mind to and i think that's possible for a lot yeah. of us most of us probably all of us
1: yeah right no i love that analogy um so i guess backpedaling a little bit you are the biohacker babes. Like what is, what is it? What does it even mean? Like for so many people, when they hear that term biohacking, trying to chase that, those endless possibilities um, for like the layman, like, how would you even explain that?
0: Yeah. I, you know, I still wonder how many, I wish I could like survey the whole world. Like how many people know what biohacking is? Yeah. It's probably still a small percentage. Very
1: small percentage, sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And i and I think every biohacker kind of has their own definition. But for me, it's combining this like ancestral wisdom that we have, right? Mm. Using nature, using what Mother Mother Earth has given us to optimize our health, but combining that with it's 2023. Like we have a, all the technology, we can collect all the data on our bodies. It's like, how do we sync that together to up level our health? And for mm. some people it is going from that surviving to just being alive again to then <laughs> thriving, but it's like there's so many free biohacks, right? So people say, "Well, well I don't, I don't, I don't biohack." I'm like, you probably do. Do you really. go? Do you go outside and get sunshine to increase your vitamin D level? You're a biohacker. <laughs> do you do you go to the gym and exercise? I think that's a biohack, right? Movement yeah. and exercise. I'm talking to like the exercise. King and queen over here, like we, we know, exercise is one of the greatest biohacks of all time. Have you ever changed your diet to see how you feel? That's a biohack. But then we can go to the other extreme, right? The the technology and the data. We can wear, you know, I have an Aura Ring, I have a Biostrap, EMF blocker. We can use different things to then up level because I think, especially in today's world, it's just it's so toxic, right? The environmental toxins, the food toxins, our food is depleted. We're under a, a lot of stress, right? All of us have extremely high demands every day on us. And so I think we have to biohack to overcome all that. Versus maybe a hundred years ago, our ancestors, their version of biohacking was going for a walk and putting their feet on the earth and they they thrived. But I think <laughs> we have to do a lot more to overcome what this planet is throwing at us right now.
2: Yeah. And cool. I would add on to that, there's kind of three basic levels in my mind. It's Coming back to baseline, which be would be to heal. If you have a, a clear and present challenge or danger, right? We want to biohack that to get back to your baseline. But then there's prevention. So maybe there's not a pain point, but you just want to make sure that you are preventing anything that you could be genetically predisposed to, or something that's in your environment. And then the third level is optimization. It's like again, what we said initially, like how high can the ceiling go? So I think you can be a biohacking biohacker in any one of those three categories and you get to decide what you want to do. Are you just trying to heal? Are you trying to prevent? Are you trying to optimize? Maybe it's a combination of all three. But I think if you have done any kind of experiment on yourself said, I wonder what this would do to me, you're a biohacker.
1: <laughs> now, I like how you make that so uh, approachable. And it. I think it also kind of removes maybe some of, uh, fear is not the right word, but it just seems like it's this There could be fear, but then also just like that, what that unknown of of what it is. And so I don't want to even like step foot in those waters, right? Um, Um,
0: Yeah. And I think the word hacking, like I think you're saying fear, fear is a possible word. People hear hacking and they might think, like, I don't want to, I don't want to be a hacker. Like, that's not a good thing, you know? But, um, Uh, hacking. We're hacking our biology. We're not computer hackers. You know, we're not implanting magnets and things (laughs) under our
2: skin. We're just we're finding ways to hack our biology. Yeah. Yeah. But you could cut corners. Sorry to jump in. Like it is possible to biohack and cut corners. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we really lean into the ancestral stuff. Like we don't want to just jump to the technology that's minimizing our our efforts and avoiding the the natural ancestral things like going in the sunshine. We don't want to just rely on a vitamin D light or a red light rather than trying to get outside there are ways where you can kind of bypass. So we always want to come back to ancestral whenever possible.
1: Yeah. No, I I love that. I love how you use the word ancestral. Like there's so many proven methods that we sometimes forget very easily. And sometimes history is a great teacher. And then I think a lot of people draw an incorrect conclusion that hacking almost means like cheating. And I don't feel like that's a, it's a fair conclusion to draw. It's you're like, you keep going back to optimization Ancestral methods. It's not cheating. It's not. You're not trying to circumvent anything necessarily. You again. You're optimizing. You're. It's that sickness wellness continuum. We're trying to get you to as as wellness and using that. And a lot of people using that buzzword like, "Hey, are we thriving right now? How are we feeling? Let's check in." Like, no, we want to get to that place. um Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. and sometimes and that's, yeah, that's interesting what you say about the word cheating, and I can see that with the word hacking and. Like just one example, like I think, you know, first responders, right? That's, let's talk about that. Like someone is working the night shift, right? Not ideal, right? Not ideal, right? Like we want to be sleeping when it's dark. We want to be outside when the Mm -hmm. sun is up, but someone's got to do the night shift. So that's where, that's where technology can come in, right? Using red light devices, sad devices, maybe using melatonin, right? Like using these things that we have available to hack (laughs) <laughs> so what we need to what we need to get yeah. done right
1: right Well, let's get right into it um yeah. you know i sent you all a, a couple of things just to kind of help prompt you so yeah we do work where yeah, i work right. it's a 24-hour shift right I'm, i work for 24 hours i just got off this morning and then we're off for 48 hours and you repeat one every three days for 20 30 years right um now if you're at a slow firehouse maybe you get to sleep all night your body, there's a lot of good research that's saying that even though you're sleeping, because you're at work, your body subconsciously is still in a little bit of a, like an alert status, getting ready for that call to come in. And then you're at busy firehouses where you might run six calls after midnight, and you're not sleeping. And so your 48 hours off are literally spent in recovery. So you know we talked about the big three. There's our cancer risks, and cancer rates are through the roof compared to the general population. Um, half of our line of duty deaths are a result of cardiac disease um, while on the fire ground. And I mean, so much of that is preventable, right? Um, but you already talked about sleep deprivation, and that leads into so many you know physical and mental uh, health issues downstream. You already started talking about sleep. Let's just get right into it. Like You already talked about some of the devices and melatonin. What are some things that we can do? whether it's at work in the firehouse or on our 48 hours in recovery or whatever, there's tons of different fire department schedules, but on the days that you're off as well, how can we optimize that sleep for true restoration and healing?
2: The first thing that comes to mind for me is just creating consistency because when we flip-flop, our circadian rhythm gets really disorganized and out of alignment. So if you are working for 24 hours and then you're off for 48, you wouldn't want to disrupt that pattern too much. But it's also striking a balance with repaying back a sleep debt. So this is where pulling in a wearable to track your sleep to really personalize and then experiment yourself to figure out, like, how do I take naps? Where do I find, you know a successive sleep architecture where we get all the stages of sleep to optimize my own physiology. And we can, we can get that feedback with HRV deep and REM sleep stages, efficiency. And it may be a little bit different for everyone. That's why we use the wearables to get that feedback. And then you can start to play with the variables and go, this works best for me. But I think what really stood out to me, is you said, like, even when you do get to sleep at the firehouse, you may be kind of on alert because your, your nervous system is waiting, right? So we never get to totally release and so you could be in this chronic fight or flight sympathetic state, mm-hmm. and so you're not getting the, the proper rest. So I would say anything you can do to support your parasympathetic nervous system, which would be to engage your vagus nerve and breath work, is proven to be, well, one, free and the easiest <laughs> and fastest way to really change the tone of the nervous system. Mm-hmm. So you know this is a hypothetical but if we do some deep breathing and get your hrv up and really strengthen parasympathetic could we offset some of the need for sleep again i think that's like a totally personal conversation we have to make sure that we're getting that feedback from your stats and your in your data but i would say like anything you can do to shift that sympathetic to more parasympathetic and we don't want all parasympathetic all the time that's also can be potentially be a problem sure. but um we just know there's so much cross-reactivity like into the gut microbiome which controls our entire health our immune system our our immune systems in our gut and so we really want to do that breath work to calm down the vagus nerve which will then support gut health will then support hormones which then will support metabolic health which i know you brought up like cardiac vents very driven by metabolic syndrome so i would probably start with breath work it's like a really free accessible ancestral (laughs) way in
1: That's cool. We've done a little bit on this podcast and in other realms, uh, talked a little bit about that, but, um, big advocate for like yoga Nidra before bed and like Mm, really calming down. Yeah. That, that nervous system just to prep the body for sleep. And then there's so many different types of breath work that I think, um, in the future, I'm going to really start digging even deeper into there's so many different types out there, but like you said, it's so approachable It's free. It's something you can do like literally in your bunk at the firehouse. And it doesn't have to be. And the one thing I try to remove like some fear and anxiety about is that it doesn't have to be like what you see, like in the movies where you're in this like perfect yoga pose and you've got like the wind chimes in the background. It doesn't have to be anything that crazy, right? This is something super simple. People might not even know you're doing it. Yeah.
2: we could yeah. hear like talking definitely is more sympathetically driven. So my HRV mm-hmm. is plummeting as we're here on this podcast. But when you <laughs> are talking or when, when Renee is talking, I can close my mouth and do nasal breathing and increase my HRV. Yeah. yeah. And you think I'm just sitting here listening, which I am, but I'm also <laughs> <laughs> <He> <laughs>
1: so. resilience. Yeah. yeah. Well, while you're at it, for those that don't know, can you explain just like the 30 second cliff notes on HRV as well?
0: About yeah. HRV? Yeah. Renee's yeah. Oh, I mean, HRV is like by far my favorite biometric <laughs> in the world. Okay, in the world. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone on this planet should be measuring their HRV, at mm-hmm. least when they're sleeping. So something like an Aura Ring or a BioStrap, something that's going to measure your HRV overnight. But so what it is, heart rate variability. So it's looking at the variation between each heartbeat. We actually want more variation. So the more variation, the higher your HRV, potentially more resilience to everything, health yes. issues, stress. Um, when we do have a, some kind of emotional trauma or a stressful thing happens, which I'm sure happens at work, right? We mm-hmm. can bounce back faster when our HRV is higher, um, less variation, lower HRV, again, less resilience to all those things. So yeah, if you can measure it overnight, that's great. Cause ideally you want your HRV skyrocketing when you're sleeping, cause you should be recovering in that deep sleep stage. And then during the day, if you want to go the next step, you could measure your H- HRV with something like, um, we use the Hanu health. Uh, strap, It's a chest strap. Uh, You could also just get like a regular chest strap and connect it to the elite HRV app. That's a really cheap way to do it. But like Lauren said, maybe if you are at work and you have some downtime, put that strap on, connect it to your phone, do some breath work and watch your HRV in real time. And if you can get your HRV to go up just with some breath work in five, 10 minutes, that's going to create that resiliency. And you're right. Maybe it offsets some of that sleep deprivation because there is something to... Just resting, resting the body, mm-hmm. resting the mind, and not always getting into like deep sleep, REM sleep. Those, of course, are necessary, but the resting with a, a higher HRV is is beneficial.
1: Yeah, it's um, I it's, I think not that it's necessarily a newer term, but like NSDR, the non-sleep deep relaxation. I know I've spoke before. Like I am a terrible napper, and I just I think there's some anxiety involved with napping, just the way with like my work was, and so just being able to take 10, 15 minutes, maybe even it's just five minutes. Close your eyes, do the breath work, like really try to de you know, regulate for a minute. Just that NSDR has done wonders for me when I know like, Hey, listen, I'm a terrible napper. It ain't going to happen today. Let me just try to decompress and down regulate for a hot minute.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm a dolphin. Are you, is, <laughs> you know, your sleep <laughs> chronotype? No, I don't. The animal. Um, you got so to do quiz, You Look can do it. online. You, you get put into one of four categories. So, a dolphin would be a very light sleeper. We essentially sleep with one eye open. That's probably you. Yeah. And that could be conditioned from being a firefighter, or you could have been born that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are bears. Renee is a bear. It's like you can just sleep. Lights out. (laughs) (laughs) The wolves are like your night owls, your creative types who actually become more awake, like in the later hours of the night. And then your lions, which are the early risers, just naturally, they're like 5 a.m. Let's go, which is so not me. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, dolphins typically are poor nappers. I'm the same way. So I just have to make sure overnight I, I get it in because... It's not, that's not
1: when happening. it's going to happen. Yeah. It's yeah. hundred percent. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be me. That's interesting. So, all right. Heart rate ability. We can adjust that throughout the day. It's a good marker. Um, that is one thing. So you are talking about these wearables what's common in like the fitness industry that I'm in, but also what has caught on a little bit in the fire service is like whoop. Is there like a one size fits all or like something that kind of crosses a lot of the, um, data collection that we're trying to grab. Cause I, I know you've mentioned the aura ring. I've looked into them. There is the whoop. There's the other brace. It's like, what is a, is there a good one size fits all or one thing that's like, Hey, if I got, if I got one, I got one shot. What's the thing that we're going to try to recommend to uh, get that data?
0: Yeah. I, I think they all kind of have pros and cons. Yeah sure. Um, like my go-to would be the aura ring. I find most okay. people don't mind having a ring. Like, you know, you already have a wedding band. What's one more ring kind of thing mm. versus adding something bulky on your wrist. So I think that's something to mm. consider, but I think the aura does a good job with sleep stress activity is, meh. it's okay. It's an estimate of what's going on yeah. versus like the whoop. I think it's great if you're really into exercise and athletic performance, right? Cause you can really mm-hmm. optimize your workout with that data. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then the bio strap. I would compare it more similar to the aura where it gets like a lot of data activities a little bit more accurate, but again, it's something bulky on your wrist. So I think you have to decide what you want to wear. And I don't know, in firefighting, like, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a ring? Would you have rather have something on your wrist, something to consider? But I would say pick one, definitely pick one. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm, It's just cause I'm a biohacker that I have all the devices on. Cause I'm like, give me all the data. I actually have yeah, fun yeah. comparing the data, but yeah. I would say it's confusing for the average person. Just pick which one you think you'll wear.
2: And then follow that data.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. I
2: yeah. I would throw Garmin into that mix. I feel like they're really advancing their technology, at least what I'm seeing being reported. So um, if you're a daytime really want to optimize activity, like Renee said, that would be kind of in the whoop category. Garmin is awesome or is definitely more driven for sleep. Like if you just were not really want to maximize your sleep, which we know makes everything work better. Awesome. But you know, we don't get the heart rate zones while we're working out. I would say like Aura shines with tracking steps, which a lot of people need to get more steps. But if you're really trying to be specific about heart rate training zones, Aura is not going to do that.
1: Yeah, I've seen and- a lot of good things out of the Garmin as well. I, I was thinking about making that switch.
2: I'm going to play devil's
0: advocate here.
1: Yeah, no, I love it.
0: I also, I like to have a device that you can put into airplane mode because yeah. I personally am concerned about all of the electromagnetic radiation that we're exposed to, right? I mean, the 5G towers, the computers, the phones, I think adding a device to your body that's connecting to Bluetooth signal all day, um, and actually when we're sleeping, we're really sensitive to these EMFs. So you talked about how Mm -hmm. you feel like you're kind of on high alert when you're sleeping. Adding EMFs can make that even harder to kind of downregulate and get into that parasympathetic state. So I like something that you can put in airplane mode like the Biostrap and Oura Ring. Okay. that's a personal no, I like thing. That. I know some people are like, I don't care about the radiation. Just give me all the. <laughs> you know, okay. No,
1: I appreciate that. And yeah. g- go ahead and speak on that a little bit. So we are, so yeah, we have our, 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 watches, we have our phones, we have our laptops and TVs and computers. And in the firehouse, we have uh, different types of radios and cell towers and the other uh, computers. That we call ma- mobile data terminals in the front of the engines and trucks. Uh, a constant signals, right? So what is the research saying? Like, what is it doing to us? And how is that disrupting what we've got going on?
2: Yeah, well, I think if we just look at a fundamental level and how our bodies like to be in resonance with the natural world, like we have cells that are vibrating, and they all have like a particular uh, vibratory frequency. And when we have all of this EMF radiation, which some of it is natural, like it mm-hmm. right it comes from the sun, from the earth, But if we start to get into this the the more unnatural or EMFs, we're just getting a barrage of signals which confuse our cells. Our cells are trying to resonate at their optimal frequency, but when we're just like different frequencies coming from every angle, the cells go, I can't I can't be normal anymore, right? It kind of like throws them into a chronic fight or flight. And we want that natural resonance that's in harmony with the earth's natural electromagnetic field and the sun and the normal circadian rhythm. So we really want to quiet down the noise, essentially, in the environment and just get rid of as much of the noise as possible. It, it would be impossible to get nothing because of the world that we live in, like no matter where you live. Um, of course, if you live in an urban city like I'm in New York City, I'm going to get a lot more than someone that lives in the woods. So <laughs> we all have our, our own like kind of personal um, challenges. But um the idea is to reduce. I think it's it's not a great expectation to try to eliminate to zero. And I think also panicking and being in fear about it potentially (laughs) makes it even worse. So, like We do what we can and then try to just relinquish the rest. Yeah, absolutely. And I Um, think distance is your friend. When you think about these
0: different sources of EMFs, you know, one, your phone, everyone now knows, I think having your phone against your ear is, is pretty bad. Um, Mm -hmm. One foot away, Great. Two feet away, even better. Three feet, it's exponential the further you can keep it away. So, of course, if you have your phone, always having it on speakerphone. Um, Oh, God, the AirPods that people are putting in their ears. I hate to say it, but I think we're going to see some major health issues, potentially mm -hmm. brain cancer, Mm -hmm. tumors. Um, I mean, you're just like radiating your brain. I mean, (laughs) it can't get closer to your brain tissue than that. So, distance is your friend. And then when you're sleeping, like I said, because you're more sensitive. Can you keep electronics, you know, maybe 10 feet from your bed? Can you keep them in the other room? For people that need to have their phone on when they're sleeping, could you put it 10 feet away and turn the volume up so if it rings, you hear it kind of thing, rather than vibrating under your pillow while you're sleeping? So distance is your friend.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good illustration. I think we're already seeing in extreme cases where we are seeing like tumor growth and and cancer from people that work in those fields or the person that is, yeah, constantly has you know, in their ear, in their pocket, and you're seeing these things pop up already. So, um, and
0: breast so cancer yeah. for women, women that are keeping their cell phones in their bras.
2: Breast yeah. cancer. <laughs> that one killed Ladies. me. And I walk down the street and I see the phone here. I'm like, why? Why right there? Why yeah. is that the spot for it?
1: <laughs> I just don't even understand how it's comfortable.
2: Yeah. But I think yeah. it would be a great opportunity in, in firehouses to pull in some emf protection because obviously we're not gonna be able to eliminate and get rid of everything can't redesign the place um but you could pull in things like faraday cages or there's certain paints that help to reflect some of the emfs sleeping with like a defender blanket there's clothing you can get i would say like every little thing that you can pull in i would think like at least like a faraday cage It's like whose turn is it to nap you get to go in the little emf protected (laughs) cave Right. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Cause that's going to downregulate your nervous system. If we quiet the EMFs, your nervous system gets into parasympathetic more quickly. And so the chances of you actually falling asleep during that nap are going to become higher.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're like, you're optimizing what your cells are doing. So hopefully everything chills out and a place where you can get the better quality sleep. Um, you've already, you kind of touched on a little bit and it might be a good segue. So you're talking about some of the supplements for sleep and then we already started touching on cancer. Um, I don't mean to make a hard switch, but I know that we can get so much with just, you know, obviously eating whole foods, right? And that's been on the podcast plenty before. From your all's background, what supplementation for sleep and hopefully trying to shy away from, uh, or maybe just hardening ourselves for cancer, for metabolic disease, what, from your all's background, like, what are we at? Where are we at here? I, I, I feel like there's so much.
0: Yeah. Big question. What's
1: <laughs> we can narrow it down. We can start with the sleep. Let's start there.
0: Yeah. Do, more supplements or more food first?
1: Let's go supplements. I think I've. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, gosh, there's so many sleep supplements on the market now, obviously. I think, first of all, get the sleep tracker. And then I think you can try different sleep supplements and see what works for you because it's going to be different for everyone. Uh, For me, CBD oil with no THC, game changer. My deep sleep almost like doubles when I do that. And I don't know for first responders, I don't know if THC is a problem, but like you can get CBD oil without THC. Um, Some people like a little bit of THC, but you know, valerian root, L-theanine, GABA, Melatonin can be helpful, and melatonin is a really interesting one because I think there's a lot of misinformation about it. And we actually, okay. Lauren and I, just recently interviewed two experts on melatonin on the po- on our podcast. And melatonin is really important for not just sleep regulation, but for it has antioxidant properties. It's anti-inflammatory, mm-hmm. helps fight cancer, which I think is a big link as to why night shift workers have a higher risk of cancer um, because you're not getting that natural melatonin production. And of course, in a perfect world, we would sleep when it's dark, our body would increase melatonin, we'd have no blue light, and we wake up, and it's gone, and it's all good. But I think there is a place for supplementing. Work with a healthcare practitioner to make sure it's right for you. But you know, someone like Dr. John Laurance, who's doing a lot of research on melatonin, he's dosing people on like 100, 200 milligrams. I mean, crazy amounts of melatonin that most people are not talking about. Um, yeah. But that's more for the anti-cancer antiviral properties, really, really high dosing, but sometimes you kind of need that to get your circadian rhythm back into alignment. So, and again, it's tricky if you're switching between night shift, day shift, you know, you want to work with a practitioner to figure out the best.
1: Is it a goal to eventually wean yourself off of the melatonin? Um, and the reason I ask that is I've, I have seen some research where like the constant consistent use can sometimes be a disruption because now you are taking a little bit of the natural the body's natural process of producing its own and then not that it's getting hijacked but it's get it's getting it through we'll say an artificial means through you know ingestion or whatever and then people long-term as they come off of it like ooh, I'd need to get back on this and then it's a constant use or there's some for kids where it actually stunts puberty a little bit for some of the parents that are just trying to get their kids to go to sleep. <laughs> um, I've seen some of that, like what I, so I worry a little bit about that. And I also had a, um, a sleep scientist on the podcast and she's like, Hey, it's great for, you know, getting you to sleep when you need it, maybe constant use. So there's, it seems like not that there's a gray area, but you can, you know, stats are what they are. You can kind of find a bunch to defend your position. So where are you all at with like a constant use or, or volume? Yeah. Yeah, Where are
0: we at? Well, I would say for kids, first of all, like, I don't think kids should be supplementing. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Under, under 18, like there's just no reason for it. Kids have insanely high levels of melatonin. Naturally. If you're finding that when you give your kids melatonin, it helps. That means they are probably on their iPad or their video games or Mm -hmm. something way too late at night. Like that's a whole nother issue. So yeah, definitely not for kids. I think long-term, maybe something more like a phyto melatonin, which is a plant-based melatonin at 0.3 milligrams. Okay. You could potentially continue because after the age of 40, our melatonin declines rapidly and we need melatonin. So I think maybe at a smaller dose and then the higher end doses are like you're flying to Asia and you're going to have jet lag, you might want to do that 50 milligrams and just hit it hard and reset your circadian rhythm, but you would do that one night. Um, Or like I said, if you have cancer, you have Lyme disease, things like that, that's Mm -hmm. when you would use it as like a heavy hitter, but that's definitely not a daily thing. Yeah,
2: okay. Sorry, I, <laughs> I would say for firefighters, probably that low dose chronically is not going to help much, especially if you have a really inconsistent sleep schedule, mm-hmm. because it's training your body to get back into alignment. But if you're still if your behaviors are, are still flip flopping, I'm i not a sleep scientist, but I would not imagine that it's actually going to improve. I think the higher doses would be more beneficial to help with the the increased reactive oxygen species. So that's the high oxidation So it's going to help the antioxidant potential and with inflammation. But again, like you want to work with a practitioner. But to circle back to your initial question, like the research is showing there's no negative feedback loop. It does not stop production in your body by supplementing. So we actually don't run the risk of disrupting that natural production. We're just going to boost it. But we do want to be really strategic and make sure that our reasons for it are in alignment with what's actually happening in the body. So those higher doses really are for specific situations when your body is depleted because it's fighting inflammation, oxidative stress, something like cancer. So I would hypothesize again, like for firefighters, it might be actually more confusing to try to do that, that lower consistent dose.
1: Yeah. When you get really wrecked on those really bad shifts where you're up all night, that's when to introduce that high dose, really get that good quality sleep, get back on the rhythm and then yeah, go from there.
2: Yeah. And and make sure you're taking it early enough. A lot of people, you know, have bad experiences on it because they take it too late when, you know, your body really starts producing it when the sun goes down, which is a little bit later in the summertime. But Mm -hmm. we really want to let it naturally ramp up or a lot of people, they'll they'll go to sleep. They can't stay asleep. So they'll pop it at like 2 a.m. and then they wake up and they're groggy. And they're groggy. And then they're like, melatonin sucks. (laughs) And if you wake up groggy and you took it on time,
0: quick hack is go outside, get in the sun, 10 minutes, no sunglasses. I'm not saying stare at the sun, but just like (laughs) be outside, get sun into your eyes. Cause that quickly says clear the melatonin, increase the cortisol and cortisol and melatonin work inversely. So yeah, yeah, get that sunshine.
1: No, for both of that fantastic delineation. And I appreciate the nuance like getting in there because so many people want to plant their flags in one area or the other. And it, there's just so much more to it. So I, a lot of people yeah. damn the nuance. I, I appreciate that. That's great.
2: Yeah. yeah. We're there's all individual. There's like, oh yeah. gosh, you can't say it enough. There is no one size fits all. And so people that are super dogmatic in one particular camp or, or idea is because it worked for them. Yeah. But you, there's no way you can say that it works for everybody. It's just impossible. Impossible. impossible.
1: Yeah. Actually, and that's a good, another great uh, introduction for this next point. I think, Renee, I reached out to you at one point to uh, ask about some of the testing because it can be so individualized. How do we figure out what works for us? And, you know, I'm an advocate for like allergen testing and certain blood panels that you can get because in the fire service we get our just our normal CBC, right? It's just a very quick snapshot of what's going on, but we can get so much more information. So how do we or how can we get more of an individualized snapshot of what's going on with us personally through tests like blood, saliva, or other things out there? Like what, what are some things that we can do just to get more information for us to get us at that, that jumping off point for then the next step?
2: I would say the blood chemistry, so the basic CBC that you're mentioning, which I'm assuming they're also doing a CMP, the comprehensive metabolic panel, which shows like your minerals, liver, kidney function, Mm -hmm. that's all involved. I would say before we say like, oh, I didn't find any information here. Let me jump to something more functional, saliva, urine, stool testing, is we just need to look at the blood chemistry through a more narrow lens. The reference ranges that come on most of those tests are based on a very wide conventional range that includes sick people. And so it is like just so insanely common for a physician to look at those labs and go, you're normal. Well, of course you are. You're not about to die. That's what we know. Like (laughs) You are not in danger of dying today, but are you preventing anything that you may be at risk for developing? Are you optimizing? Most certainly not. And so we can take that same panel and look at it through a more narrow lens to see opportunities. Like- And that's how I think we really personalize a supplementation regimen or protocol is just, I see tons in blood chemistry. Like how do we optimize your detoxification pathways? So for being in the service, you're exposed to all kinds of chemicals and fire and particles that are getting into your lungs. Like, is your body keeping up with your exposure? So we want like the body has natural healing abilities. It should be able to detoxify at a one-to-one rate of exposure excretion. But if we are overexposed, we put an increased burden on the body. So then we can see in these labs, is your body keeping up? If not, mm. that's when we can bring in specific supplementation to support you because that exposure is going to express differently in you as opposed to the rest of your colleagues. So, um, you know, we can talk about basic supplementation to support inflammation, oxidative stress, <laughs> metabolic syndrome, but the expression is going to be just so bioindividual individual. So I always start with the blood chemistry because I find all kinds of fun stuff to do in there before jumping to the, the more fancy and more expensive testing. Yeah.
1: Great. So who should we go to then? Because, and this is not throwing shade at any of our like doctors and MDs that we work with. A lot of them aren't doing that deep of a dive or they look at it. And as long as it's within their, those common brackets, they're like, oh no, you're fine. Keep going. Keep rocking. So yeah. I mean, outside of you two, who, <laughs> who should we be going to then to actually get a better snapshot and, and a deeper analysis of what we're dealing with?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's the benefit of a health coach. We are the bridge between the physician and then the consumer. Um, mm-hmm. I would say you want to look for a health coach that has that lab training. So I went through a program right. <clears throat> uh, called the Functional Diagnostic Nutrition. So I'm trained in reading lab work. Not a lot of health coaches are. Oh, awesome. So um, Renee does that too. So you just want to like, chat with the health coach and make sure that they really have a a good understanding of the blood chemistry because it's the big, it's the best bang for your buck because those functional labs are expensive and like they are very helpful in a lot of cases. But if we aren't starting with the blood chemistry, we're missing the foundations and without foundations, like really, what are we doing?
1: Yeah,
0: sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, just finding like a functional medicine practitioner, if you wanted
0: to go down that rabbit hole and you can afford it, but again, the basic labs, like Lauren said, she finds all this fun stuff. Like, are you dehydrated? Are you eating enough protein? Do you have low stomach acid? Like, are your is your liver functioning optimally? Like, mm-hmm. things that people should be covering first, and then we can do, yeah, like the saliva hormone test, the, looking at urine metabolites, and, you know, is there mold? Is there candida? Looking at gut tests. Like, There's lots of other things, but most people aren't even getting the foundational things done first. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, if you're doing all the foundational stuff and you're still having
2: health issues, then it's time for some fancier testing. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I would say the analogy is that health optimization is kind of like a puzzle. And then my mind, like the, the blood chemistry is the border of the puzzle. Like if you just fill in okay. the middle, the puzzle's just going to kind of float around on the table if <laughs> we don't have any direction. Like you've got to do the border first and then we can fill in all the other pieces.
1: Uh, no, fantastic analogy. I like that. How are so? Yeah, those blood panels can definitely add up. Um, I know when I was looking into some like other side things to get, you know, dig a little deeper, I mean, those things add up quick. Um, so I appreciate you saying that. Like, if you get the right trained person, they can get a better snapshot of what's truly going on and, yeah, get into the nuance of it.
0: I will say you also mentioned like a food allergen test or like a food mm-hmm. sensitivity test, another great test, but is kind of expensive. So like doing an elimination diet is a really great free thing that most people can do. I know it takes a little bit of detective work, but if someone Mm -hmm. is suspected, suspecting that they don't tolerate eggs or wheat or dairy whatever, and you can literally just Google elimination diet and you will get tons (laughs) of plans and recipes of how to do this. And you can do it on your own. And then you can discover that way if you are reacting to a food rather than spending $500 on a blood test, which is not a hundred percent accurate. Yeah, yeah. They're not super accurate.
2: And yeah. I would say on top of that, testing blood sugar with something like a CGM, which is a continuous glucose monitor. It's like a little filament. Mm-hmm. It's like a micro needle that goes into your arm. So over a 24 hour period, you get to see how your blood glucose is responding, not just to food, but to your sleep, to your stress, to your exercise, to your hydration.
0: Yeah. It's
2: actually a fantastic way to identify food allergies and sensitivities because, If you're sensitive to something, it's going to cause a stress response, an inflammatory response in your body, and that's going to affect your glucose. So, again, like bypassing the very expensive test that is maybe not super accurate, we can just look at this tool that gives us all of the information, the window into your physiology, and then you just start eliminating. Like, I suspect this because I got a massive glucose spike when I ate, I mean, a very common one is corn, but I've (laughs) seen people react to like an apple. Is an apple healthy for everyone because we were told that it keeps the doctor away? Well, it may not be right for you because your microbiome may be responding to it in an unfavorable way. And we can see that on the CGM. So then you remove it and then you get to be a biohacker and test. Like, did that work? Yeah. Did that feel better? Yeah. And then you save like $400.
1: You're right. That's awesome. And it's, I think people will be surprised by some of the things that they may or may even may not be sensitive to. I have a friend who thought she was doing the right thing and was mowing through I think it was salmon, potatoes, and blueberries, thinking she was eating high quality proteins, uh the, got the omega threes, not ingesting as much gluten, and was eating like one of the power berries, right? And those were the three things that were like marking for her as being like highly sensitive to. And as soon as she eliminated those things that she thought were really great for her, she started feeling a whole hell of a lot better. And it's just so odd that You know, you think you're doing the right thing, but that's, you know, I think that's where you all come into play. Just getting deeper into what we're doing.
2: Yeah. And I mean, paying attention to the way that you feel, I think is a huge trait of being a biohacker. It's like, Oh, I felt this way. I'm going to acknowledge that. And then I'm going to do something about it. There's so many people that feel a certain way and just think that that's normal. And they either (laughs) don't want to do the work to be out of that pain <laughs> or they just think it's normal. And so they're like, oh, everyone feels this way. There's no other possibility. Or yeah, I, this is healthy food. How could it possibly be bad to me? Like that narrative, that mindset yeah. really gets us trapped in one way of being. It's like, no, it's not making you feel good. That's a sign that your body is saying, This is not right for me. You gotta listen to that.
1: Yeah, no, I really appreciate you saying that. I, I feel like I actually hear that a lot in the fire service is out guys and gals are so groggy or um they're just living off of a little bit of sleep, caffeine, energy drinks, and gas station food <laughs> and going from one mm-hmm. call to the next. And they just think that's how you're supposed to feel. And that's not. And until they, like you said, are actually going to do the work or have that on- honest conversation with themselves. A lot of people just think that's the norm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Like actually truly ask yourself is this the way I'm supposed to feel? Is this an okay feeling right now? And a lot of times it's not. Can I feel better? (laughs) Yeah, sure.
0: And I think to add like kind of to the CGM is like this metabolic flexibility. I think that, Mm. I mean, everyone needs that, right? We should be able to burn carbs for fuel, burn fat for fuel when needed, but especially for first responders. I'm sure there's times where you can't get to food for a while, right? And that's when your body should say, hey, let's tap into the fat reserves, burn that for fuel, it's going to fuel our brain with the ketones. But so many Americans are just carb burners, right? Yeah. They have to eat every two hours just to function. Mm-hmm. So learning how to create that metabolic flexibility with, you know, using a CGM, optimizing your diet in whatever way you need to personally. Yeah, I think good. And fasting can be a great way to tap into that too. But
1: okay. Yeah, that's and that's something we've talked about on here before. Um Different. I'm almost hesitant to use the term fad diets, but there are some people that have gotten a lot of success out of certain diets and awesome. And like you said, it is highly individual. Sometimes there's you catch a little bit of flack for the fasting. I feel like it's almost like the Yankees and Red Sox right now. Like Some people love it. Some people are like, no, absolutely not. Um, I mean, the research is pretty clear about how beneficial it can be for you. But we're also in positions where we are running highly acute incidents and we are... Like burning so many calories so quickly because of the metabolic demands placed on us for, you know, fires and wrecks and all the things that we deal with. So this is the one thing I'm hesitant about is not ingesting enough food, at least while you're working. And I think some people are advocates, All right, maybe on your days off is when you should focus more on the fast. But what's your take on the fasting, but then also some of the other popular, we'll say diets that are out there right now.
0: I think to start with the fasting piece, something really important to remember is fasting is a stressor on the body, right? Mm -hmm. So we have all these hormetic stressors, fasting, exercise, sauna, cold plunges. So these small doses of stress can be really amazing for creating this resiliency. So I think using fasting with that mindset of knowing I'm stressing the body to make it stronger, more resilient. So Mm -hmm. yes, when you're working a hard shift, Probably not the best time to add another stressor to your body like fasting. So yeah, maybe on your days off, if you have 48 hours off, maybe that's when you hit like a 16-hour fast where you can get into like the autophagy, the cellular repair, things like that. But also my point was using fasting just to teach your body that you can tap into fat for fuel. So yeah, maybe you do need to get more, you probably need more carbs with how active you are, right? And that like, please don't be carb phobic. I know a lot of people in the world are carb phobic right now with the keto rage, but yeah, you know, you fuel before, but then like you said, maybe you have six calls back to back and you can't keep up with that. You still want your body to be able to like, oh, hey, let me burn this fat just to get through the next couple of hours. So fasting can be a tool to teach your body how to do that. And then fasting is so different for everyone, especially like men and women, like women cannot fast the way men do. Uh, we're just not designed, designed to do that, especially, well, I'm sorry. So women that are still cycling, so like reproductive years, you know, Mm -hmm. 12 hour fast overnight is great, but you might not want to do more than that versus men can typically do maybe 16 or 18 hours, but everyone should be fasting 12 hours a night. Like that's not even that's not even fasting. That's just right.
1: <laughs> that's hopefully sleeping and resting not eating right. when it's yes.
0: dark outside. Not eating just in bed. <laughs> close your mouth yeah. for 12 hours. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> just to give your digestive system a break for 12 hours. Um, yeah. but I think some people think like, "Oh, I did a 12-hour fast." I'm like, "No, you just didn't eat when you're not supposed to eat." So yeah. that's the other thing. Like what does fasting really mean? Is it a 3-day water fast? Is it the 12-day 12-hour overnight fast? There's just so yeah. many nuances, right? Again, it's not this yeah. black
2: and white situation. It's very gray. So many. I had a client this morning who's not cycling anymore. She's in menopause. And Renee mentioned like for cycling women, we have to be really careful. But just because you're in menopause or post doesn't mean it's like fair game. This client actually has adrenal insufficiency and we were monitoring her glucose and she was doing just some intermittent fasting, not anything even extended or really more aggressive. And it was was having the opposite effect on her glucose that we see in most people. Usually when we fast, we Mm. deplete like the glucose in our bloodstream. We start burning more fat stores. Her glucose was actually going up because of her adrenal insufficiency. So even though like post menopause, it still wasn't right for her. And we saw that in her blood chemistry, the adrenal insufficiency. So another great reason or benefit of the blood chemistry, we get to see that window into the physiology. And another reason for using a CGM is we get that instant feedback. Is this working for you? Or not. For her, it was more of a stressor. And what we saw in the CGM is that the glucose went up, confirmed. This is a stressor on your body. Yeah. I think potentially for firefighters, I agree with Renee, like you're burning, there's so much metabolic demands. But if you're in that fight or flight all day long, when you're not on call, when you have the opportunity to eat, I I would say the opportunity is to make sure you can get into that parasympathetic rest digest Mm
0: -hmm. as
2: quickly (laughs) as possible. So doing the deep breathing, to change the nervous system tone and then make making sure that you're chewing adequately to really improve digestion because you don't want to eat in a sympathetic state. You're not going to digest. You're not going to metabolize. You're not going to absorb your nutrients. You're going to spike your glucose. And these are all drivers of metabolic syndrome, which is a root cause of cardiac arrest. Right. So we want to do these really basic things and just get the body to calm down in those intervals as quickly as possible. So we're better at, at accepting the nutrients and then we are like recovered and restored and ready to have another quick bit burst of energy back into sympathetic.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that. I'm definitely a shoveler. And I think so many are because we're just like gearing up for that next run. And so we just shovel really quick. And then, oh, we got time for more food. And then you shovel a little bit more, get that second plate in. And yeah, uh,
2: shoveling's it's... the worst. You gotta, you gotta be the anti-shovel advocate.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that we are. Yeah, we are the red flags for that for sure. Or uh, shovel, go...
2: but just chew more. Do chewing better. is like right. <laughs> that's another free ancestral hack. Just chewing more does the body really good. And I think yeah. not to rag on the male population, but men just are they're faster eaters. Yeah, they're more, more sympathetic. Eater. So the more we can slow down, I promise your digestion is going to feel better. Your glucose is going to be more stable. Your nervous system is going to respond well, and then you're going to hold on to more nutrients. And so then we see less nutrient deficiencies come up on your lab work, spend less money on supplements. Like chewing is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's your tagline.
1: Yeah, there you go. That'll be at the next t-shirt. Um, for the metabolic disease, going back to that, you just hit on it a little bit what are like your top three hacks just outside of like hey eat better and move that we can use to harden ourselves like what is approachable from your all's background that we can take into the firehouses you know we're sitting around the kitchen table hey guys and gals do these like top one two three things like what is that for you
2: i think we already mentioned some like don't eat in a stressed state sure yep. you okay. slow down and breathe two, I would put that number two, avoid (laughs) drinking too many liquids while you're eating because it really dilutes your digestive enzymes and actually will lead to a higher glucose elevation. And then the timing of your macronutrients. So if we were to kind of separate your foods like protein, fats, carbs, which we know there's a combination of all in all foods, but you know, animal protein, clearly a protein, you want to pull in your fat and fiber first maybe not always available at the firehouse, like a salad, Mm -hmm. a raw (laughs) veggie, some good fats, avocado, nuts, olives, then pull in the protein. You want to save your carbs for last when possible. Sometimes it's not possible, you know, eating tacos or chili, like it's all in one, but if you have control, you want to break those down because you're going to get a much more favorable glucose response. And if you Mm -hmm. get a better glucose response, then we don't go down the road of insulin resistance. So, Mm basically elevated glucose all the time. A chronic elevation is like crying wolf to the hormone insulin. Insulin at some point is going to stop responding because you've, you've like badgered it for so long. So it stops responding. Insulin is insanely important. We have insulin receptors all over our body. They control all of our hormones. Uh, and when, when we see a breakdown in insulin, that's when a lot of things go awry. So I think, I think those are all three things I just mentioned. Yeah. Slowing down, chewing, not drinking too many liquids, eating in that right order if you can, that alone would be a game changer.
1: Okay. Yeah, no, that's a great split.
2: Did you add anything, Renee? I would circle back to what we started the episode with is sleep. (laughs) Sleep is one of the greatest
0: biohacks for metabolic health because just Uh, one night of poor sleep, we see it on a CGM. We see crazy glucose spikes, drops. So making sure you're sleeping. And I think most people have felt that. Like if you get a really bad night of sleep the next day, Like you want that extra cup of coffee. Obviously, you want maybe like a sweeter snack. You want more carbs because um, yep. your your body is very intelligent. It's looking for that quick energy because you did not get.
1: Oh, it's craving it's the pain. glucose. Yeah, your brain's craving it. Yeah. yeah, I think we all feel that when we get off in the mornings if we've had those bad nights. I know my sugar cravings go through the roof. And I, 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 understand why now it's just, yeah. I mean, it, it can wreak havoc with you. And if you spend a career, you know, 20, 30 years of in that cycle, it can, <laughs> it can do some damage for sure.
0: Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. It's funny. The other day, um, my husband and I were at Disneyland actually, and I didn't get enough sleep, but still such a fun day. And I walked by this like cabinet of, it was like cookies and all kinds of sweets and stuff. And I'm like, Oh, I must be tired because that looks good to me. It looks so good, right <laughs> now. and I'm like not like a big sweet person, so like yeah. that's my signal to oh, you didn't get enough sleep because that looks good. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I didn't eat
0: it. I still didn't eat it because I knew
2: that would start the roller coaster. So yeah, right. yeah, maybe some cause we can pull in. In that case, not so free when we go to this next step. But exogenous ketones, your your body okay. naturally makes ketones when we deplete the glucose enough, but. They're made in supplemental form, so exogenous, made out of the body. You can pull those in. That actually is a really fantastic way to kind of stop those cravings from the sleep deprivation. So you could do kind of like a pseudo fast and just pull in the ketones and and just try to eat like as normally and as clean as possible, Mm -hmm. like really prioritize the protein and the fat. But if you feel yourself really reaching for the sugar or the caffeine, the the ketones are going to offset that quite a bit.
1: Okay. And so I, I nerd out on the research side of it. What, what are the ketones doing? Is it just helping with satiation? Like what, is, what is, what's the process that's occurring? To- it's helping
2: clear the excess glucose out of your bloodstream. So okay. it's going to help shift you back more towards like a, a fat burning state. And it's going to just balance your blood sugar. Cause if you get poor sleep, then we're going to, we're essentially on a blood sugar roller coaster where your body's just trying to normalize. It's doing everything it can to course correct, but there's just there's going to be some wonkiness for 24 hours. So ketones calm everything down. They'll kind of clear the excess glucose out of your bloodstream. Um, they're also kind of satiating. So yep. it'll kind of curb that hunger a little bit.
1: Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. You mentioned it just a minute ago and I'm going to start with a little bit of a story. So actually just last night, you know, we had uh, here on the East coast, we had crazy storms go through, right? I mean, just north of us, a couple minutes, we had some tornadoes and then, We had a pretty decent house fire last night, right around dinner time. And for us, yes, that's what we love to do. Obviously, you know, I get to actually use my training. But in those moments, that's when um, we're dealing with the smoke, all the products of combustion. That's where all the carcinogens are hiding that we have to deal with, right? And when you come out of a burning building, when you run like a good fire, like a really hot one, lots of smoke, lots of fire, you get the... Um, you smell like smoke. Like when you get in the shower, even with all of our gear protecting us and providing that layer, like you get in a hot shower, your pores open up and you can smell the smoke again. And if you run Mm -hmm. decent fire, like you, it could be a couple days worth of every time you jump in the shower or you start sweating, you can literally smell the smoke come out of your pores. You know, again, carcinogens and all the junk that we deal with. Right. There's a lot of protective measures in place. But, you know, we can only do so much, right? So even this morning, I'm fortunate, I got in the hot tub, started sweating out again. You can smell the smoke in my hair again. And then I went from there to have a cold plunge, dropped in that. So I just started going back and forth between the two. And that's something that I've introduced for the last you know year, give or take. Um, and I've seen so many benefits from better sleep. I know the cold plunge has helped with like sugar cravings for me as well mental clarity there's all kinds of stuff Uh, and you all have mentioned it already from hot and cold therapies what are we seeing here like what are the benefits and then can you also do a bigger split for us so there's infrared there's dry sauna there's steam there's cold showers you know like there's there's layers to it as well so I just threw up a big one for you what what are the differences what are the benefits how do we use them
2: I'll let the sauna queen
0: start with sauna. Okay, Okay, I'll take the sauna side. (laughs) I love the sauna. Yeah, I mean, I think the sauna is a great thing for firefighters for just for the detox side of things, right? We know that it's obviously opening up the pores, you're sweating out toxins. A lot of great research on just dry saunas. I would personally stay away from the steam saunas because inhaling that, there's potentially mold and mycotoxins coming in. I just don't see like a benefit with that. Yeah, infrared, you. I think would be the best. So infrared is going to penetrate deeper into the skin. That's where it's really going to mobilize uh, more toxins, especially like heavy metals, other carcinogens that you're exposed to. So yeah, infrared sauna um, for detox, uh, immune function. So when we raise the body temperature, we activate the heat shock proteins in our body. And mm-hmm. these are amazing for the immune system. And so again, you're probably exposed to all kinds of things. You want your immune system thriving as much as possible. Heart health, Amazing. Yeah. So the cool thing about the sauna is it's like a passive cardio workout, um, which yeah, is also why like it's it great. In. Yeah, yeah. You're getting a lot of the cardiovascular benefits of mm-hmm. doing cardio. Um, it's also great for people that are maybe maybe just tired or some kind of injury where they can't do a cardio workout. Just sitting in the sauna, you get a lot of the heart health benefits. And I know you said like heart disease is is a big thing. So um, I would say those are the top three benefits. And then to up. The detox a little bit, you could do something like um, a niacin flush, so taking a niacin mm. supplement before you go in the sauna, and then even maybe something like modified citrus pectin. Um, I'll have to look up if there's any specific research on that for firefighters, but I would imagine so because it's amazing to just bind up all kinds of toxins.
1: Um, oh, interesting. Okay.
2: Yeah. And yeah. those so specifically because they're selective rather than like a general binder that's just going to sweep everything, including nutrients out of your body. The apple pectin like is going selectively mm, no. target the toxins that need to be removed safely.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. That's cool. Yeah, I really, I have, uh, I've nerded out on the research with the heat shock proteins, especially for the fire service and how it hardens ourselves and just helps us adapt better when we're dealing with temperature extremes anyway. Yeah. We can adapt better on that side. So that's a huge win. And then you yeah. get the cardiac benefits of the introduction of the heat shock proteins. So big fan of that. Um, the niacin and you said was an apple pectin. What was it? What was it?
0: Sorry. Apple pectin or a modified citrus pectin, either okay. one. Some people prefer one over the other, but I have like a modified citrus pectin and like a little tablet. It's really yeah. easy. I just like pop that in if I'm traveling or like, in a, I you know, be exposed to any more toxins. Mm-hmm. And then I would add to with,
2: that, like, oh, yeah, I was going to say spirulina and chlorella, which are also excellent at mobilizing and removing toxins. And that's something you could do every day. Um, mm-hmm. You definitely like ease into the chlorella because it can be quite aggressive in some people. But that's so the source is algae and um, really fantastic in addition.
1: Yeah, you usually see those on the ingredients for a lot of the uh, different, like, blended greens that are out there, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, but they're usually thrown in with like the complex, the compounded greens that also have grass greens, which I would say not great for everybody because they tend to be kind of inflammatory to the gut. So I would just get like a super high quality spirulina, chlorella. I would probably isolate it.
1: Okay. That was great. And you're saying do this prior to entering the sauna and that's when like the timing and the coupling of the two is really what's going to get you that greatest benefit.
2: I actually think just a daily dose. I don't... Uh, I'm not super sure on the timing strategic to the sauna. What do you think, Renee?
0: Um, I think the
2: spirulina or chlorella
0: you could do before or after. Um, Mm -hmm. some people even like to do it before bed. So I don't think the timing is necessary. The niacin is a definite, you
1: have to do before. The niacin was before. Okay. Yeah.
0: And you will, and you will feel the flush. So if anyone's never experienced that, like know that that's normal.
2: Um, (laughs) and temporary,
0: (laughs) temporary, (laughs) it will go away. Um, Yeah. And then there's something else I was going to say about the sauna. Oh, what what you said about just like the resilience to temperature. Like so many people like stay at 72 degrees all day, right? (laughs) It's like the human body doesn't know how to like respond to different temperatures. So that's, yeah, like you said, a great benefit of doing the hot and cold, like teaching your body how to
2: bounce back from either one. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great strategy. Yeah, and then I think the cold plunging on top of that, again, that's a stressor too. So that's where using a wearable Mm -hmm. to measure your HRV to make sure that you're actually responding in a positive way rather than just accumulating more stressors. And I think with the cold plunge craze that's happening right now, Mm -hmm. people are overdoing it when the research is really showing there's diminishing returns after 11 or 12 minutes weekly. So we really want a small dose, but also we want to pay attention subjectively to how our body is feeling after so yeah. we do get, kind of get this clearance of glucose and we're supposed to get, you know, a flood of dopamine and good, feel good mm-hmm. neurotransmitters. You should feel less pain and inflammation, but like, those are all things you got to pay attention to subjectively yeah. and then look at HRV, look at sleep. Or are we actually getting a, a good response there? But I love that you go back and forth between the two because that, that is building resiliency that you can switch and not just be stuck in that. That cool and comfortable kind of AC (laughs) all the time. I don't want to be hot. I don't want to be cold. I think that's so funny when I hear people walk outside, they're like, ah, I'm like, get used to it. (laughs) We're supposed to be a little uncomfortable. That's (laughs) what makes us stronger and more resilient humans. Like our ancestors didn't have this. And it's an amazing luxury that, you know, we have survival because, because heat is really dangerous. Right. Like people really aren't adapted to it. There's heat stroke. You know, I was just in Austin and a girlfriend of mine had heat stroke because she never goes outside. Yeah. She lives in (laughs) L.A., which is like a bubble of perfect weather. Yeah. And so, you know, it's training just like going to the gym. So I think it's really awesome that you do the cold and the hot alternating. But again, just reminder, it is a stressor. So make sure that you're listening to all of that feedback from your body.
1: Yeah, sure. There are some, um, firehouses. There's some departments nationwide that are starting to introduce saunas into the firehouses for the detoxing purposes. It's not catching on super fast, but they there are out there. And I would just love for that to be more of a, a mainstay when you're starting to design firehouses or bring them in. I think it'd just be fantastic.
2: We can uh, like run a whole little biohacking corner
1: because yeah. <laughs> I was
2: thinking it like in addition to mobilizing toxins through the sauna and sweating, doing anything that supports your lymphatics, like jumping yeah. on a rebounder, using a dry brush—that's really going to help mobilize and mm. get that stuff out of your body. In addition to the binders, like the citrus pectin, or even just you know just a general detox binder, be super yeah. helpful. And that's easy. You know, you can put a little rebounder in the firehouse and chat, socialize. It's not super demanding.
1: So I've seen that, like even like little trampolines, like just jumping, you know, activates the lymphatic system for the drainage. What was the other thing you mentioned, the dry brushing?
2: Dry brushing. So you'll see them like, I don't know, get them at like Whole Foods. Where else would you buy those? I feel like spas have them. It's usually like a wooden Mm -hmm. brush and then some pretty kind of uh, rough bristles on the end. And there's okay. a technique which you can find really easily on YouTube of of brushing upwards to really stimulate the lymphatics. So,
1: okay, potentially
2: cool. you would have less days of that like reoccurrence of smelling the the fire and the toxins coming out. Yeah. Of you. Okay. Yeah. Very neat. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Great to do right before the sauna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. If
0: you see like if you see like a picture of like a finished sauna, you sometimes yeah. you'll see a dry brush hanging on the door. On uh, yeah. The now you
1: say that I'm sure I have. Yeah. I yeah. We're talking about now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and super. like, it's so
0: funny, like in Finland, I think there's like a sauna <laughs> in every household. It's like, why is oh, America yes. like that?
1: Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. My wife does some work in Denmark and the Nordic countries. And they actually have like in Copenhagen, they have like a boardwalk system on the river that's meant for everybody. They just get in there. They jump in the river. They hang out on the boardwalk for a little bit or these like little like almost like floating docks. And it's just part of the culture. Like it's just what you do.
2: Yeah, uh, amazing, and they're so I, happy there. They're so <laughs> happy. I have a friend here in New York. She's from there, and she was explaining this to me. She was like, "Oh yeah, we just I meet up with my friends on my way to work. We just go to the dock, do a quick cold plunge. Like it's just
0: normal. It's like do. grabbing
2: coffee at Starbucks. They just go do yep. a cold plunge. I'm like mind blowing in America. We're like, ooh, get in a cold tub, and people are terrified. Of <laughs> yeah. <us." laughs>
1: or yeah, meltdown over all over TikTok. You're
2: used to, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> that's amazing. um I, we've been going for a while here. I want to start like wrapping up some of the things here. Um, are there with your line of work, are there a lot of myths that you need to combat? So whether it's myths with not just even biohacking, just people are coming to you like, Hey, I'm doing this thing. Or I'm doing that thing. And you're like, what? time timeout, like this is not what we should be doing or worrying about. What are those common things that you are, you're, you're feeling like you have to educate people on, you know, pretty consistently.
2: I think it's just jumping to any health trend without listening to feedback from your body. Again, like we're super bio-individuals, so we want to look at the labs. I think using a CGM to get feedback on your glucose, using a data wearables like sleep tracker, activity tracker, because then you get to test all of these things. Like the biggest missed opportunity and myth is just subscribing to a particular protocol, trend, opinion, diet, dogmatic way of being without testing and then honoring what your body is, is telling you. I can think of a million different like expressions of yeah, I, I guess what you said, like myths or uh, misnomers where I'm like, Well, that works really well for that one person, and there's no chance in hell it's working for you. And sorry, but that's, like, <laughs> our bodies are just so different. Yeah, yeah right, right. yeah, um,
0: yeah. Wh- yeah, I would just say like be a, be aware if something <laughs> looks like a trend, like even pole plungers, yeah. great. But guess what? They're not for everyone. I will will say, like, if you have adrenal insufficiency, um, if you're trying to get pregnant for younger women, like, there are times, Mm. you know, thyroid dysfunction. There are times you shouldn't be doing cold plunge. Cold plunges are great, but not for everyone. Um, Mouth taping. Everyone on on Instagram and TikTok is
1: is
0: mouth taping. But if you can't breathe through your nose when you're sleeping because – allergies, sensitivities, you have mold in your house, Mm -hmm. uh, just maybe it's an actual physical structure problem and you slap a piece of tape on your mouth. What do you think is going to happen? No holes to breathe out of. Now you have no (laughs) oxygen coming in. Yeah. So like, you know, if you have sleep apnea or something else going on, just be be careful of that. And then like the juice cleanses and the water fasting, um, just take a step back, maybe look at the research, say, does this really make sense for me and my current health goals, my current health status. Just reassess that before you yeah. jump in. Do you have
1: anything for yeah. uh CPAP? There are a lot of firefighters that are on CPAP.
0: Yeah. Well, I will say CPAPs, amazing of invention. Yeah. They save sure. lives. They literally save lives. But the compl- um I think the compliance rate is like 35%. Because <laughs> yeah. who I mean, our so our dad who's a biological dentist, he treats sleep apnea actually in Maryland. And mm-hmm. um he says CPAP is great birth control. Um, because <laughs> sure. you're like sleeping next to Darth Vader, but yeah. if you tolerate it and you need it, like, please wear it. If you don't tolerate it and you still have a sleep, sleep apnea, sleep disordered breathing, that's where we're working with like a dentist, like our dad, who's trained in dental sleep medicine. They yeah. can do different sleep appliances, not just like order off of Amazon for 30 bucks and bite mm-hmm. into something like, don't, I wouldn't do that work with a dentist that's trained in that. They can move the jaw around in different ways. They use myofunctional therapy. Like there are other ways to open up the airway. Yeah. And, then and it's you, also yeah.
2: important to address the root causes. Like is yeah. it structural? Is it a food sensitivity? Do you have mold? Is there a gut pathogen? Was there a trauma to your spine, especially your cervical spine? I mean, there's so many drivers of this. So a lot of people are just jumping to the end solution, which again, as Renee said, is life-saving. But the question is, are we putting a Band-Aid on and not addressing like the original instigator?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Goodness gracious. So much to unpack here. The um, the one thing I wanted to uh, ask about that I totally forgot is nootropics. And I thought you would be good people to ask because we're seeing, I'm starting to see a little bit of a switch. And what I mean is like we have all the people that like tobacco use is really huge. We're starting to come away from that, but now it's like we're using the Zen packets, like the the nicotine pouches, and then all the caffeine, or maybe we're drinking a bunch of Celsius. And I'm not putting these in the same category, but I think a lot of people define that little bit of alertness throughout their day. And it seems like that's how it's kind of being marketed is just that brain function, right? Feeling alert, feeling awake without having like these hangovers or these crashes. And I'm seeing them all over the place now um, in drinks in the in the pouches like smokeless tobacco, what are they? Are they worth it? What's your take on this?
2: This is Renee's category. Okay. <laughs> I, I love nootropics.
0: I would say to so start with nicotine, because that's definitely been a really popular one, amazing mm. nootropic. But the downside of nicotine is we can become somewhat dependent on it. Mm-hmm. So people may find like, oh, one milligram used to light my brain up. Now I need 10 milligrams to feel the same thing. So yeah. nicotine is one of those things that you would want to cycle. Like sometimes I'll use it on like a heavy writing day or a podcast day, but I am very specific of when I use it.
2: Yeah. So you don't
0: want to mm-hmm. be using it all day, every day. So that's nicotine. Mm-hmm. Other nootropics. So methylene blue, I think is a great one. That is something you can do more often. It's actually supporting mitochondrial function. It increases oxygen uptake in the body. Great for muscular endurance. So I don't know. That might be a great one for firefighters. It's it's a pretty like gentle uplift, I would say. It's not like a big rise and crash, which is nice. It's just like steady energy. Yeah. So that's methylene blue.
1: Is that where all these uh, awesome pictures of your blue tongue are coming from? Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah,
0: you can do the one so the prescriptions. <laughs> Yeah, transcriptions, you actually let it dissolve up um, in your cheek, So it does turn your tongue blue. There's Got other it. ones that you can just swallow. You can actually absorb it through the gut just fine.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so methylene blue is great. Other nootropics, I would say like Newtopia to throw out a brand. That's my favorite okay. because they make they make different stacks for different occasions. So oh, uh, like, okay. like today, I took brain flow, hoping that my brain would work a little bit better on this <laughs> podcast today. <laughs> that was the goal. You're doing uh, great. <laughs> Yay! Um, there's one more for focus. So if you want to like sit down and write, that's a great one. Um, one called upbeat, which is a little bit more of a mood booster. There's Dopa Drops, which is like an increase in dopamine. So I always say if you have like a really long to do list and you just don't feel like checking things off, that kind of ups that motivation. So there's different stacks for different things, but I also like that they combine some nutrients in there to support what's what's happening. So rather than just saying, "Let me take this thing, it's going to increase dopamine and maybe deplete my brain." This company mm-hmm. actually puts the nutrients in there that help as the building blocks to go with it.
2: Oh, so I cool. like
0: yeah. I like their approach, Nutopia. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the other end of the spectrum of nootropics like the smart smart drugs like Modafinil. I personally don't mess with those. I think the potential side effects are not worth it, not when we have so many other natural things out there. Yeah. And then there's even more natural things like, you know, lion's mane mushroom or all the functional mushrooms, yeah. cordyceps, reishi. Those are mm. amazing for brain function. And caffeine, that's like everyone knows caffeine. We've all felt yeah. the benefits of that. But again, caffeine, the more you do it, the more you need.
2: Correct. Right. Yeah. You go,
0: you try and take a day off of caffeine when you're used to it, you feel like crap.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, well, we build sorry. that tolerance, right? Because you dampen the adenosine receptors. So, just like nicotine, yes. it's something you definitely want to cycle off of. Mm-hmm. And I think we forget that caffeine is a nootropic because a lot of people, honestly, are drinking crappy coffee that is full mm-hmm. of toxins, mycotoxins. So, Malt, one, yeah. you want to drink really clean coffee and then it's going to have the nootropic effect that you want. I love stacked with the functional mushrooms. Like there's company for Sigmatic. There's a lot coming out that combine like the lion's mane, the cordyceps, and then you really get that supportive punch with stable energy, rather than getting the boost from the caffeine and then the drop later, which so many people blame. It's like, oh, now I'm jittery from the caffeine. No, Mm -hmm. you didn't drink the right kind of coffee.
1: Yeah, Uh, with other sleep scientists and dietitians I've had on. There, this seems like the range is two to 400 milligrams of caffeine per day. What's your all's recommendation?
2: Listen to your body <laughs> and cycle and <try laughs> off uh, of it. Yeah. The hardest I part for me, because I love my coffee and I don't need it yeah. to wake up, but I just love the taste of it. You, yeah. you have to cycle off of it. You got to like build that tolerance back up because otherwise you're just going to need more and more and more. And we want yeah. our bodies to be more sensitized to it. So yeah. I don't know if I can put a, a milligram count on there generally like less is going to be better, like get away with whatever you can and don't make it be a band aid for poor sleep habits or other behaviors. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, well put. yeah.
2: And I think learn, learn if
0: you're a slow metabolizer or a fast metabolizer too, and just honoring mm-hmm. that. So no matter what milligram you have, if you're a slow meti- metabolizer, you probably know you can't have caffeine after 12 o'clock or it affects your mm-hmm. sleep. Versus the fast metabolizers, they have a shot of espresso at 9 p.m. and they go to bed at 10 and they sleep fine. So, so know yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Know yourself, but also be honest with yourself. Don't say, oh yeah, I'm sleeping fine. Like look at your sleep data. Are you getting enough deep sleep? Are you getting 25% of your night in deep sleep? So look at the data and be honest if the caffeine is working for you or not working for you.
1: Yeah, no, fantastic. Uh, I should have probably started with this, but I got caught up with you know the comms issues that I was having on my end here. Where can what's your all's background? Where can people find you? Um, you all are just a wealth of information and I'm left with more questions than what I started with in all the, in all the best ways. Um, like you've given us so much to think about and I just have a running list of all the things that you've mentioned, like, Oh, and it's just like, my mind's on fire right now with all the other things I want to get into, but I want to be respectful of your all the time. You've given us so much to unpack right now. I so appreciate it where, yeah. So the background, where can people find you? What are you all doing?
2: Yeah. So we started, our own kind of business venture together, the biohacker babe. So it's a podcast we release every Monday. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just the two of us. And then we cycle in guests. We kind of cover the spectrum as far as biohacking, but we try to keep the same underlying motivation, which is teaching and empowering people to be biohackers and run their own experiments and tests and get that feedback. It's so important. It's not just about pulling in devices and buying more things. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of our, our collective venture and did I say the website, the Cool. and um, yeah, Instagram. we do one-on-one health yep. coaching. I have a background in personal training actually, but I got more into the health coaching over time because I just found there were so many missing opportunities there, but movement and exercise is my my first love my love language but um, i love that definitely shifted more into health coaching and doing the diagnostic lab testing and i'm now doing microdosing coaching as well so prep and integration with some psychedelics for behavioral change Mm -hmm. uh, which has been really fantastic for like a lot of mindset and just helping clients put one foot in front of the other because sometimes we know all the things we're supposed to do and we just can't it's like yeah can't make the change. I know we have to do it, but we get stuck with our own, you know, belief systems, rigidity, just old narratives that really hold us back. So that's kind of a really interesting and empowering thing been working on recently.
1: That's fantastic. I love hearing that. The, um, mostly in the fire service, THC is something that is still very much, uh, frowned upon and outlawed, whether it be, um, Mm -hmm. you know, random drug testing, whatever, uh, but there is so much promise with the microdosing, and yeah, I just I, I love hearing that. So yeah, hopefully I think are they I,
2: testing
1: for that. I, um, so for that, no, but that's one of those things where it's kind of like probably an unwritten rule. I think it, it's entirely um, dependent on where you work, and every county, every state is going to be very different. Um, I can't speak for everybody, um, but I know for a lot of people they don't. So, and I think there are just I mean, Johns Hopkins is researching it. Like it's, it's such a, yeah, an important piece. It's really cool to hear you're doing that. It's, it's but really- still
2: highly illegal. So um, <laughs> it's possible, like once it's more into the mainstream, they will start regulating it. Right. Cause yeah, now the we're PhD getting there. Is, yeah. So yeah, um, we're certainly getting there. Get in there before it's uh, on yeah. the <laughs> no list. Yeah.
1: What about you, Renee, anything yeah. else on your end? Yeah. Own?
0: Um, I mean, just to add you know, to what Lauren said, you know, our really, our main goal is just to empower people to be to be their own biohacker. That's our tagline. And, (laughs) you know, just a quick story is Lauren briefly mentioned that I had chronic fatigue syndrome in my early twenties and traditional medicine ran my labs and said, there's nothing wrong with you. Just keep sleeping. And so the reason I'm bringing that up as my message to everyone is don't like, don't take no for an answer from your doctor. If they don't know why you feel the way you feel, Keep looking like there are answers out there. Maybe you need to find a different practitioner. You need to try different biohacks like there. There is an answer out there for you. Everyone should be feeling amazing every day. And yeah, hopefully everyone after this will be a biohacker. And I will add Lauren and I are sisters. People always think like we're best friends that started a (laughs) podcast together. We actually are sisters two years apart. All those things are true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, like I said, you have given me uh, so much more to think about. This has been absolutely fantastic. It's a wealth of knowledge. And I love just pushing the envelope of what at least we're doing in the fire service because there's so much good information. So maybe one day in the future, we can uh, unpack some more stuff. So I appreciate it. Um, And I want to
0: say, Josh, thank you. Well, one for having us. This conversation was a lot of fun, but also thank you for what you're doing I know you're you're helping so many people, and I think this is such an untapped area. So thank you for kind of leading the way in this. In this, no,
1: I I appreciate that, and I'll leave you with like one quick story. Two two parts. One, and I won't even get into it. I mean, you know, um, there are a couple reasons why I got into the fire service, and the one thing back in high school we were involved in that was <laughs> you are one of the reasons why I feel like I got into the fire service. It's like, hey, I think I got a knack for this, you know.
0: Mm. Um, but yeah, I was, yeah, I told Lauren, I I, I mean, Josh, yeah. I feel like you, you potentially saved my life that day. I'm glad that you were there when that, when yeah. my accident happened and you got me to the hospital. And that was 20 years ago, 20 years that ago. Yeah, 20 at years least, ago.
1: Yeah. 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 I've been in the fire department for 20, yeah, just coming up on 20 years. So I think it was right before that. Um, so you're one of those reasons. So I appreciate where you've gotten me today, but then. The other thing I'll end with is that, um, I, th- I mean, we've probably been to school, what, middle school? At least, I mean, definitely high school. Regardless, um, you know, high school can be so weird and clicky sometimes, right? I had a great high school experience, but i the one thing that I always take away is that, you know, the people don't necessarily remember what they do, but they remember how they make you feel. And you were always somebody that was so happy and positive and inclusive. And it, you were not somebody who was like shying away or turning your you know nose down at somebody. You were always like the more the merrier. And you always made me and other people feel included. And we're just, um, yeah, you're just a super awesome oh, person yeah. to be around. So I'll, I'll always remember that. And I appreciate that.
0: Thank you. Yeah. You're going to make me cry. And I mean, ditto back to you. It's like, <laughs> even though we haven't hung out in probably 20 years, I still feel like a connection to you and you were always such an amazing friend
1: oh i feel that i appreciate it well, to thank you back. ladies yeah mm-hmm. the, the, you're doing amazing things and i can't tell you how much i appreciate uh, you taking time out of your day for it so thank mm-hmm. you
2: thank you Absolutely. and likewise yeah such a pleasure yeah. to be here. this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking.